Well, good morning. Please take your seats. Y'all sounded great. Oh, sorry. You can turn with me to Luke chapter 6. It'll be page uh, 560 on your pew Bibles that are there. And we'll be reading verses uh, 12 through 19. I'm going to be reading from the uh, New American Standard Version, which will be slightly different from the English Standard that you have. And it was at that time that he went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 among them, whom he also named as apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he descended with them and stood on a level place, and there was a great multitude of his disciples and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem, the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him, to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured, and all the multitude were trying to touch him, for power was coming from him and healing them all. Pray. Lord God, as we turn to your word, Father God, speak to us. Holy Spirit, empower us. Lord Jesus, let us see you. In Christ's name, amen. Last week, we, uh, we were looking at the, how the Pharisees were going after Jesus, and already uh, the, the last words were that you know, they were angry. They were so angry and filled with hate that they were already conspiring among themselves, trying to figure out how they could trap Jesus. And now Luke goes forward a little bit, doesn't say how long it is. And uh, by this time, there's a whole group of disciples who are following Christ. There's a multitude of people, men and women, who are just following Jesus around, listening to him teach, seeing his miracles, and all these things. And then at whatever point this is in in this early ministry of Christ, he goes off to a mountain to pray. And notice Scripture says he prayed all night. I don't know about you, but that kind of gives me some guilt. Um, I don't know that I've ever prayed all night, Um, except for maybe when the kids are sick and you're waking up all night anyway. But, um, but, But Christ, here we have God the God the Son, spending all night praying with God the Father. There was such close communion and such a a, a desire and such a need that in his humanity, he needed to spend that time in prayer before he made this this decision of, of which of the disciples he was going to call to be the nucleus of the new the new church. Interesting, isn't it, that, that here we have God the Son 
spending all night in prayer before making this decision. It's convicting to me because I know there are a lot of times I've made decisions without even thinking about praying. And sometimes they've turned out all right and sometimes they haven't. I don't know if that's your experience. But you know, there's always time to pray. It's always right to pray. Matthew Henry, who was a, a commentator way back, several hundred years ago, he's talking about Jesus being all alone on the mountain. He said, We are never less alone when we are thus alone. We are never less alone when we are thus alone. That when we are in prayer, even if we're all by ourselves, if we're off on a mountain, we are not, we are not alone. Because God the Father is there with us in the Holy Spirit. It's always right to pray in every situation. We know the famous passage Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. Of course, that doesn't literally mean we're to be praying every single moment because then we wouldn't do anything else. But it's this attitude of prayer and this constant lifting things up. And then that morning, morning comes, and he goes down to the group of the disciples. And I never really thought about this before, is that he sat there and he called them out one by one. You know, as part of me wonders, oh, is this kind of like, you know, an American Idol thing? He's sitting there going, you know, Simon, step forward. You know, Judas, step forward. I don't know what it was. And you wonder what, what did the people, one, what did the disciples who were called out to be the apostles, what were they thinking? And then what was the crowd of disciples, the ones that weren't chosen, what were they thinking? You're like, oh, man, I really thought I had it this time. Or was it like, whew, I'm glad that's not me. We don't know. I mean, it'd be one of those things we can ask when we get to heaven. But just to think in terms of, you know, these are real people doing a real thing, and Jesus actually called them out and called them to himself. One commentator pointed out that then it was the ordination service of all ordination services. Can you imagine having Christ lay his hands on you or whatever he did to, to mark these men to call them out to be the apostles? And it was not, not an accident that, that there were 12. That one of the great things about the Reformed faith is that we show a great continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That there's not like you get to the end of the Old Testament and you go, break, break, break. Now we're going to start something new. No, there's great, great, great continuity. All of the scripture from Genesis to Revelation is there for our benefit, for our instruction, for our teaching, and it's all for us. And Christ very specifically called 12. Just as Jacob had his 12 sons that founded the old Israel, Jesus marks out these 12 to be the foundation of the new Israel, the church of what was to become. And then Luke points out their names. What's interesting is, is uh, in several other accounts, the disciples are named, and there's different variations of the order, except for Simon, who's called Peter, is always first, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor, is always last. 
The other names in there, sometimes, depending on who's, they're, they're kind of mixed up a little bit. Sometimes they use alternate names. Another interesting thing is, is, is that up until this point, Luke has always called Simon. He's always called Peter Simon, but from here on out, he calls him Peter, which, you know, Jesus changed his name, Simon's name, to Peter. And he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. What struck me was that Peter, who was going to deny Christ, and Judas, who was going to betray him, are the first and the last of this list. And Christ knew when he called these men that they were going to fail him. He knew that there was going to be disappointments. Scripture even says that he knew that Judas was going to betray him. But somehow in the eternal counsel of God and in his providential way of working things out, Judas was part of the twelve. In Peter, we have one who showed great regret and ended up repenting of his sin of denying Christ. In Judas, we have one that Scripture said he, he expressed great remorse, but no repentance, and ended up killing himself. In John's account, Jesus mentions Judas and talks about there's a special place prepared for him. But as in all things in Scripture, there's always, are you this or are you that? Are you in the covenant? Are you a covenant breaker? Are you a follower of Christ? Or are you a follower of Satan? It's always this. On the cross, are you the thief who repented and asked to be with him in paradise? Are you the other thief that always casts insults on Christ? And here we have before us Peter and Judas. And I submit to you, we are one or the other. We are always, like Peter, constantly repenting, constantly being regret, constantly confessing our sin, asking to be restored. Or we are like Judas, who will betray Christ and maybe feel remorseful, but not repentant. Maybe some of you have committed some kind of sin in your life and, and you feel great remorse, but you haven't confessed it because you feel like it was so bad that God could never forgive you. And that's a lie, as Steve Brown used to say, straight from the pit of hell and smells like smoke. There is no sin that you can commit on this earth that God will not graciously forgive in Christ if you turn to him and ask Will this be that day for you if you are carrying around that burden? Knowing, as we've done our confession of sin already this morning, but maybe some of you are still wondering, man, I really blew it. It was really, really, really bad. But know that you can trust and rest in Christ's promises of forgiveness for those who truly repent and follow after him.
So Luke calls out all these these names. And another commentator pointed out that, you know, they're by and large, they were just ordinary men. A couple of them were extraordinary. We think of probably Peter and and uh, John, who became the author of the Gospel of John and, and Revelation. Matthew, the tax collector. But some of these others, we really don't know anything about them other than what's right here. Ordinary men. But because they served an extraordinary God, an extraordinary Christ, he gifted them and called them and enabled them to do extraordinary things. Through this nucleus of, of well, after Judas, 11 men formed what we are worshiping and experiencing today. We are here because those men were faithful in, in fulfilling the task that God called, that Christ set them apart to do. It's amazing, isn't it? A little band of men in Jerusalem, in, in Israel, kind of really even in the backwater of Israel. Through them, God used them to launch this incredible, his church. And every single one of us are a partaker and in debt, actually, to these. And every single one of them, except for John and Judas, all history tells us every single one of them were martyred for their faith. Every single one. They were willing to follow Christ no matter where it took, no matter the cost. And for them, it was their very lives. How about you? How much are you willing to follow Christ? Are you willing to follow him to the very end? It's a sobering question, and it's, we get so caught up in the, you know, the day-in, day-out stresses and things of life, and, it, and it's so easy to kind of like put the Bible up on the shelf and not really think about things until the next Sunday. But Christ has called us to a, a life of, of discipleship and a life of following Him. And as Christ, we don't do it on our own, as, as was pointed out in, in the catechism. We, whenever we follow Christ, it's not because we sum up the strength within us. It's because of the Holy Spirit working within us and enabling us to follow Christ. We don't do it on our own. We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he... What, and what does he do with these apostles after the ordination service? Does he like take them on some kind of leadership retreat and teach them John Maxwell's principles of leading? No. He comes down the mountain. He's been up all night. There's this great crowd. I mean, who knows how many thousands of people that have come from all over to see him. And they watch him go down and start ministering to these people, setting an example for them of what they were supposed to do. It doesn't matter if you're tired. When it's time to, to do ministry, you do ministry. 
When people are hurting, it's time to minister to their needs. And Christ didn't turn them away. All that came, all the ones who came, it wasn't like he said, oh, you know, I'm good for about 10 more minutes, then i got to take a break. No. The people came, and it's just, can you picture in this mind, this crowd of people crowding, touching, trying to reach in and touch Jesus because it said healing power was going out of him. It's like that the, uh, the story of the, of the, um, of the lady who, who had been sick for all those years, and she's following Jesus in a crowd, and she says, if I could just reach out and touch the hem of his garment, I know I can be, I'll be healed. And this is what we have here earlier on in the ministry. All these people coming from all over. Word had spread. Hey, there is a prophet in Israel, and you, he is healing. And man, he is some kind of speaker. And they came. Some maybe with you know, faith and, and wanting to see who this new person was. And maybe others just say, oh, this is a, you know, a nice little sideshow. Let's go occupy our times. But they came and they crowded around him. And he didn't turn them away. And Christ won't turn you away. No matter what your status is, no matter how alienated you feel from him, he won't turn you away. We have it right here over and over and over in Scripture. Anybody who came to them, he welcomed them. He never turned anybody away. This is the Christ we serve. This is the Christ we follow. Come to him. Reach out to him. He won't turn you away. Nothing off I've wondered about, you know, there's, there's Judas, the son of James, and then Judas Iscariot. Can you imagine him introducing himself? Oh, I'm Judas. Oh, are you the one? No, 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 no. That was the other one. <laughs> um. So anyway, so yeah, so all the people from Judea and Jerusalem, the coastal region, verse 18, they come to hear him. Oh, but I wouldn't have given to hear Jesus preach. Preacher among preachers. One day in heaven. And he healed their diseases. And those with unclean spirits were being cured. And all the multitude were trying to touch him, for power was coming from him and healing them all. What a powerful Savior we have. What a gracious and kind Savior. One that we can go and we can pray to all night long, and he'll never, ever get tired of hearing us pray. And you know, he always answers our prayers. I was slow to learn this one, but sometimes the answer is no. Because the temptation is to say, well, I prayed for this and I didn't get it, so therefore either God didn't hear my prayer, God doesn't answer prayer, or whatever. But no, the answer was either no or wait. We have a Christ that we can come and worship. We have a God who loves to hear us.
And the Holy Spirit enables us to pray and to live this faith, live this life through faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this example. For this account of your calling the apostles and then right around, turning right around and and ministering to the crowd. Lord Jesus, may we be faithful in following you. May we know that you always welcome us. Help us to always be repentant, not just remorseful. In Christ's name, amen.